The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Monday, the 12th of June in London. Coming up today... Britain adrift. The evidence grows that the UK has gone from charting its own course to going off course. We have a special report. A warning from the chairman of MS, Archie Norman, tells us Sunak's government desperately needs to rebuild the business ties Boris Johnson swept away. 167 years of independence comes to an end. UBS finalises its takeover of troubled rival Credit Suisse. Plus, political dramas worthy of Shakespeare. Boris Johnson quits Parliament and the former Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon is arrested. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. Some of the world's biggest companies are highlighting the deteriorating investment climate in the UK. An investigation by us here on Daybreak Europe and the Bloomberg Newsroom has found that business leaders believe the government has failed to meet the twin challenges of Brexit and the foreign subsidies arms race. Here's what the chairman of Marks & Spencer, Archie Norman, told us. Other countries are saying, no, we need laboratory assistance, no, we need more coders, no, we need more data scientists. We seem to be agnostic. We, we don't know what we need, and that's not good enough. The footprint of government is too big in the economy to say we're just hands off. And we'll be bringing you more of our interview with Archie Norman, as well as a host of other conversations with leading business voices later in the show. The criticism from the business community comes on the same day that the Bank of England policymaker Catherine Mann has called on the government to move economic policy to a more sustainable footing. In an essay for the Resolution Foundation, the right setter says fiscal and monetary policymakers need to transition from a crisis policy phase to a longer term agenda. Catherine Mann's words are a warning to both Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and the opposition Labour leader Keir Starmer as each begins to set out their agenda and spending plans for a general election expected next year. The growing chorus of voices calling for a new approach by government come just as the Prime Minister faces a major political challenge from his predecessor. On Friday, Boris Johnson resigned as an MP, with two of his allies also stepping down from Parliament in a row over COVID-19 rule breaches. The resignations trigger three by-elections that could highlight softening support for the Conservative Party. But Johnson's former communications director, Gitto Harry, claims that that wasn't what drove the former prime minister's decision to stand down. I don't think this is part of an elaborate plot mm. to sort of destabilise and topple Rishi Sunak. I think there is an opportunity for him now to go off and seize new opportunities. 
Despite Gitto Harry's assertion, the by-elections complicate Sunak's hopes of further narrowing the gap in support with Labour. Recent opinion polls have put the opposition party up by as much as 14 points against the Tories. In Scotland, former First Minister Nicola Sturgeon says she knows beyond doubt that she's innocent of any wrongdoing. That's after she was arrested as part of an investigation into the SNP's finances. Sturgeon was questioned by police before being released without charge. Professor of Politics at the University of Strathclyde, John Curtis, says it's far from the SNP's only electoral issue. I think in truth we've probably been anticipating that at some point the police would also want to talk to Nicola Sturgeon. The only conclusion we can draw from this so far as the investigation is concerned is that the police have evidently decided it is still worth continuing. Strathclyde Professor of Politics John Curtis speaking there. The SNP is set to hold a special conference later this month to consult party members on the way forward for its independence campaign. Now, away from politics, Crispin Odie's main hedge fund will now be run by his co-manager, Freddie Neve. The move follows a decision by Odie Asset Management to remove its founder, who is facing fresh assault allegations. Crispin Odie denies those allegations and declined to comment on the decision. The Financial Times also reports that the hedge fund is discussing restrictions on investor withdrawals from its EU funds as part of emergency measures to contain the fallout. UBS says it's completed its takeover of Credit Suisse. The bank made the announcement in an open letter published in the Swiss NZZ newspaper. It comes as the Financial Times reports that the UBS will impose restrictions on bankers from Credit Suisse, including a ban on new clients from high-risk countries. The paper says a list of almost two dozen red lines will apply to Credit Suisse staff under the merger. And finally, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky confirmed yesterday that the long-expected Ukrainian counter-offensive has begun. Counter-offensive and defensive actions are taking place in Ukraine. On which stage, I won't say in detail. And we for sure will feel all of it. I wouldn't trust those or other telegram channels, and especially Putin. His comments come as Ukrainian forces say that they have retaken three villages in the southeast of the country. The gains couldn't be independently verified, and Russia's defence ministry called the situation fluid. Okay, so those are our top stories on the programme this morning. Carlin, so much more on this theme of is Britain adrift? But first, I just wanted to mark this news that we're having in regards uh, to UBS's takeover of Credit Suisse. The milestone moment has arrived. Mm. UBS has taken over its former rival. Uh, this ends the lender's 167-year independent existence. Um, this, of course, capping two months of uncertainty for employees after this Swiss government brokered takeover, 9 billion Swiss francs guarantee against potential losses on Credit Suisse assets. It's been a massive story in the financial sector uh, and today we're turning another page in it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the the expectation. We had that note um, to employees from the Credit Suisse CEO on Friday that was expected to happen. So now the details are actually out this Monday that UBS uh, Credit Suisse uh, takeover is complete. Now, yet more political uncertainty in the UK and a growing number of business leaders are left wondering if Britain is adrift. The challenges, the economic challenges for the UK are clear. The damaging consequences of the pandemic, the war in Ukraine and Brexit. But the UK is also at a crossroads in need of what business leaders see as a long-term ambitious plan from government that is deliverable. Caroline, this is something that you've been looking into 
in some detail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there was a moment in the, the newsroom where we were um, thinking about this. Bloomberg is doing a deep dive into the state of the British economy. The past couple of months have seen this criticism uh, from a host of business leaders uh, wondering... Um, concerned that the uh, business uh, and the policies that the government is pursuing and trying to execute perhaps are not the right ones. Think James Dyson. Think of the criticism from Stellantis, Revolut, Microsoft's Brad Smith. Rishi Sunak's five pledges, which are largely economic, and the Chancellor's Edinburgh reforms simply have not quelled the chorus. Indeed, the government only looks increasingly bogged down now and precarious. So I've been speaking to business leaders about this. Archie Norman, the chairman of Marks & Spencer since 2017, lifelong Conservative we know, former MP himself, former CEO of ASDA. I met him at uh, M&S's headquarters in Paddington and I, I spoke to him at length about this issue. Where is the British economy right now? Is the UK adrift? This is what he said. I think there's a huge appetite for a new agenda, for a sense of where are we trying to compete in the world? What is our strategy? Post-Brexit, it's no good just saying we left and we're going to have some trade agreements, is how are we now going to compete in the world? You know, we've created this dislocation. We've created frictionful trade. No, rightly or wrongly, that's what people voted to do. Now we need a plan for how we compete. And it used to be called industrial strategy. Now, this government, for whatever reason, has an aversion to the expression industrial strategy. It's what everybody else calls it, so they can't bring themselves to say it. But I don't care whether it's a growth strategy or competitiveness. It's got to be a profound point of view as to how Britain's going to compete. So a profound point of view. Archie Norman speaking to me there. He also made a lot of other interesting points on skills. The government is agnostic. It doesn't know what it wants in terms of people's skills acquisition. That's not good enough, he says, for the economy of the future. He was scathing about recent policy blunders on a price cap on essential uh, foods. He called that harebrained. His advice to Sunak, if you want to be re-elected, you've got to be the future, not the past. We've lost the plot when it comes to getting firms to list and headquarter themselves in London. I, that is a long list for government. Yeah, it certainly is. British business more broadly, though, Caroline, there's this battle ongoing for who represents and who works with the government on addressing these concerns. Well, that's it. It's about the relationship with business um, uh, and, and the interplay with business and government. The British Chambers of Commerce is trying to supersede the CBI as the biggest business lobby. Martha Lane Fox, who is herself perhaps Britain's most successful tech entrepreneur, entrepreneur is the president of the BCC. She's been travelling across the UK and again I spoke to her at length and she says that there needs to be policy across, across a breadth of sectors, a particular focus on increasing trade, on getting the sales of UK businesses abroad up. This is how she described the moment domestically. There's also a sort of holding of collective breath waiting to see what happens over the next 18 months with the political situation, not just here in the UK, but in the US and more broadly, I guess, across Europe. And that's a confidence piece to a large degree. So I think we have to be careful not to talk ourselves into a position where we're saying that the UK is all at sea, to use your words, you know, adrift. That's appropriate language in some ways, but in other ways it really isn't. I think the UK has a huge amount to offer. We have a lot of extraordinary businesses, an amazing talent pool. And we have to be careful, I think, not to talk ourselves into a dark spot because that's not the UK that I think I recognise and that I think we will want to build. 
So, you know, business leaders and entrepreneurs like Martha Lane Fox are not pessimistic. They're always looking on the bright side, emphasising the advantages that the UK has, especially universities, innovation, entrepreneurs. But Lane Fox does also talk about there being a people crisis in the UK, people's crisis, the difficulty of finding staff and retaining them. She talks about needing uh, businesses needing to feel most importantly that they can look ahead with certainty and there's not going to be this constant rotation and chaos. Those are her words. So this is reflected in the big take, the deep dive in print that we've got. It's on the front page of the Bloomberg.co.uk uh, website. It's also on the terminal this morning talking to a lot of businesses about what they think about investability within Britain. And what we're hearing from the people that you've been speaking to is that this is a pivotal moment for the UK and one that needs policy solutions. Yeah, and Xavier Rollet was also in London. So I had a long conversation with him. He was um, the CEO of the London Stock Exchange between 2009 2017. He's now non-exec chairman of Shaw Capital, uh, another you know well-known company. Very frustrated that there isn't a more serious conversation in the UK, but also in Europe, about how we fund businesses, how we get them to grow. Very critical of the fact that in uh, the UK, in Europe, we use debt, we use bank lending. And in the US, it's obviously done far more through equity. He talks about today, we're at a point of needing radical reform. Here's his argument. If you have equity markets that are one-tenth the size of the uh, US, the cost of raising equity here, particularly for a high growth industry, cost is much higher here. So the best, fastest growing, biggest value creators move to the United States. And then we end up with that productivity deficit. Over time, you end up with a low growth, low productivity, debt focused funding environment. And the best of what you've invested in your universities, your entrepreneurs and others migrates. The US are leveraging that but in the US, business runs business. Investors make the choices as to who are going to be the winners on the technology side. In the UK and Europe, it is still today government. You know, these talks of sovereign funds and all sorts of initiatives, government driven, eliminate the regulation that prevents the long-term holders of capital insurance companies and pension fund from investing in equities and let investors make the choices. You'll see what happens. We could grow our equity beyond par with the United States. With these changes, we could grow the liquidity of our equity markets in the UK by tenfold. So that was uh, Xavier Rollet there um, speaking to me about the kind of the difficulties that the UK and Europe has in terms of how we fund high growth businesses. I mean, he says very, he said to me very clearly, you can't scale up the industries of the future, particularly tech, without far deeper equity markets. And he was very concerned that, that, that there wasn't a lot of responsiveness to that idea. Caroline, from these conversations, what what are you taking away? Is Britain adrift? Well, um, the economic uh, issues for the UK have again um, been superseded by these internal party politics uh, of the Conservative Party. So on the one hand, we understand the, the depths of the economic issues in the UK. Um, on the other hand, the more positive and optimistic outlook might be this is a moment right for big ideas. Well thought out long-term industrial strategy accountability um it's what 
Archie Norman was sort of saying the footprint of government is too big in the economy to say we're just hands off. We've got to get on with it in post-Brexit Britain and actually deliver for the growth economy of the future. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Okay, Caroline, so much more coming from your conversations throughout the programme this morning. You can find that Big Take report on the Bloomberg website, NI Big Take, if you're using the terminal, or you'll see plenty more too on social media. Caroline, you can find her C. Hepker uh, on Twitter as well, or of course by looking up Bloomberg Radio. But of course, this has bigger implications than just in the business world. Two, growing the economy, one of Rishi Sunak's five key priorities. Does the Prime Minister, though, risk being distracted by more Tory infighting follow the resignation of Boris Johnson and two of his key allies? Well, our UK correspondent Lizzie Burden is with us for more on this. Lizzie, let's start on, I suppose, what is the government's current plan in this area? What is the government's plan for growth? Well, the government would argue that its number one priority is halving inflation by the end of the year. That would create stability as a platform for growth. And you've just seen Sunak in the US to shore up ties there, specifically to boost growth. For example, it's pumping a billion pounds into the semiconductor industry. But that pales in comparison to what the US are doing through the Inflation Reduction Act and what the EU is doing in response. And it leaves the UK heavily reliant on its allies to fill in the gaps in the rest of the supply chain. You heard there in Caroline's brilliant reporting, business leaders are queuing up to put forward the notion that Britain's closed for business, that the government isn't doing enough to compensate for the economic damage of Brexit. You had as well last week almost a thousand tech companies, including Alphabet and Apple, warning that the UK is falling behind in sectors like AI, like semiconductors. So on the UK Politics podcast this week, we're going to be speaking to Oliver Dowden, the Deputy Prime Minister at Founders Forum, in front of a room of tech bosses and founders uh, about this very question, is Britain a drift? What is the plan for growth? So do tune into that on Friday's episode on Bloomberg Radio at 12pm. 
Okay, great stuff. The reporting also comes, though, as the Bank of England's Catherine Mann has called for long-term strategy for the economy. What's she been saying? Well, she's the hawk of the Monetary Policy Committee, as you know, and this essay for the Resolution Foundation really argues that the focus of the government needs to be on the long term, especially on sustainability, rather than than on firefighting, because, of course, we've had the successive shocks of Brexit, the pandemic, Ukraine. But I have to say, frankly, even for Labour, which has promised a more activist state in response to Bidenomics, Securonomics is what the Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves calls it. That's centred around investing £28 billion a year on the green energy transition. Labour's had to scale that plan back. Uh, And now the plan is to ramp up spending rather than hit that £28 billion target in the first year of a Labour government. Labour says it's because of persistent inflation, meaning higher rates since that plan was announced. And it's necessary, they say, to cut back a bit to maintain fiscal responsibility. So you've got both parties battling it out to be the party of business, to be ambitious on growth within a very politically and fiscally constrained environment. Okay, Lizzie, this is all happening at a time when, of course, we've been also watching what's been happening inside the Conservative Mm. Party. What's the risk that these events surrounding Boris Johnson and the resignation of two of his allies as well will take away from the government's focus of of the economy? Yes, so much happened over the weekend, didn't it? Well, the announcement of Boris Johnson's resignation and the timing of that announcement does look designed to inflict the maximum damage on the Prime Minister. Of course, Johnson blames Sunak for his downfall and Johnson even said he's exiting politics for now. So hinting again that he hopes for a comeback as his allies have been. It reminds me of when he said hasta la vista baby when he uh, left as prime minister suggesting that like the Terminator he's going to be back. And of course the comparison to Donald Trump is well done. You know Johnson resigned even on the same day that Trump was indicted on federal charges. But the key difference is Johnson's isolated within the party, but scandal only seems to boost Donald Trump among the Republicans. The bigger picture, as you point out, is whether or not Johnson's comeback is realistic. It's a distraction from the diligent government that Sunak's trying to present. It's also an immediate challenge for Sunak in the sense that Johnson's resignation, along with those of his two allies, Nigel Adams and Nadine Doris, triggers by-elections that it's going to be embarrassing if Sunak loses. The opposition Labour Party's already calling for a general election. Some polls show that they'd win a landslide if there were an election. And over the weekend, you also saw Nicola Sturgeon, the former First Minister of Scotland, arrested. She was released after several hours. But it adds to this sense that her party's imploding. That would benefit Labour. Mm. And so Sunak's going to be watching very closely what happens north of the border. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.